Adulthood Made Easy, a podcast from Real Simple Magazine that will not only help you navigate real life, but win at real life. I'm your host, Sam Zabel. It is New Year's resolution time, and I think there are two topics that you can talk about over and over and over and over, and that's money and career. Well, there are probably a bunch, but those are the big ones for me because I think the experiences are very unique to every individual and every individual situation. And there's so much to learn and understand as you grow and evolve that there's no harm in revisiting the terms and the things you need to know. So that's why I have the author of How to Be a Financial Grown-Up here in the studio today to talk about all of the resolutions we can make around our finances in 2017 and how we can actually stick to them. Her name is Bobby Rebel. She's a Reuters columnist and TV anchor and a total finance expert and a very thorough journalist, as we were talking about before the show started. And her book, How to Be a Financial Grown-Up, will help you figure out exactly what you need to do to achieve your financial goals without completely overwhelming you. So welcome, Bobby. Thanks for having me, Sam. Thank you for being here. Um, We talked a lot over email and over the phone about this episode. And I said, you know, the problem that I come up with when I talk about money is that it just feels like nothing is ever achievable. Like you can sit here and say, okay, this is going to be the year that I make a budget, or this is going to be the year that I save this amount of money, or this is going to be the year that I pay off my loans. But they end up being so big that it's 365 days later, and you've achieved nothing. And so I'm wondering if any of that confusion and and sense of being overwhelmed for your demographic here, the people who aren't quite grown up, was motivation in writing the book. It absolutely was, because I think it is very hard to set aside the time to make those decisions. But if you do, and you take time, maybe when you're off from work at the beginning of the year, we have some tips we're going to go through Mm -hmm. that you can do in less than a day, even half a day, and get things organized early in the year, most things will take care of themselves and save you a lot of time and stress. You don't you don't want the stress from the money. That will serve you well. And your book, How to Be a Financial Grown-Up, what does being a financial grown-up mean to you? Because when I think financial grown-up, I'm like, I must be wearing a suit, going to the stock market. I have a, some sort of mortgage. I'm like with bonds and loans. Like, what does a financial grown-up mean to you? That is completely incorrect, Sam. <laughs> completely off base. Yeah. You know, being a financial grown-up basically goes back to what you were saying before. It means going through your finances and being deliberate in what you want to achieve. Whatever that may be, if your goal is to pay off your student loans, if your goal is to save enough money to have a down payment for a home, because I am am overall for most people a big advocate for owning your own home, it's knowing what's going on in your financial life and making the best proactive decisions that you can make. And it may not be perfect. It may be that I'm going to reduce my credit card debt. It may be that I'm going to work on making sure that I'm getting the match in my 401k. It may be getting rid of friends that are spending my money when I don't want them to, but making deliberate decisions to be in charge of your finances and own it. And you mentioned credit cards. I don't know if you know this. I got my first credit card like three months ago. That's actually a good thing. I am proud of you. I will tell you why, because one of the most common mistakes that millennials make is being so afraid of credit cards because of what they saw happen to Gen Xers getting to the spiraling credit card debt. I was very afraid. Absolutely. And you should be. And don't do that. (laughs) But if you don't have credit cards that you're using responsibly, you will not establish a credit history. You will not have a good credit score. And if and when the time comes when you want to own your own home, whether it's an apartment here in New York City where we are, or a home in the suburbs, whatever it may be, or even buy a car, you need to have a credit history. You need a credit score. And it's very hard to establish that if you haven't 
gone through having a credit card. So absolutely get a credit card when you can. Mm-hmm. And use it responsibly, and it's going to be a good thing. I was, I would, I put it off for a long time. It was one of those things where my parents said, "You know, you really should get one." And I was like, "Oh, for sure, I'll get one." And I really, I was like, "I just, I don't want to deal with it." And now that I have it, and everything's online, it makes it so much easier. So we, we can hear from you that you're very, you know, what you're talking about. But were you always like this? Like, think back to when you graduated college, and maybe weren't quite the financial grown up that you are today. What, what were some of your big struggles when it came to money? I think realizing how hard it is to earn money was a big wake up call for me mm-hmm. because I was relatively sheltered as a child. My parents never let me know what I know now that they like everybody had their ups and downs, but I don't think I understood how hard it would be to earn money and how much it takes to get there to get your first job. It takes a lot of hustle, a lot of networking and a lot of de- determination to get the job that you want to get and set up your life the way you want it to. And sometimes it involves risk. I talk in the book about my first apartment and mm-hmm. what it took to get there. And I did take a big risk. I saved up money. I lived at home for a while. I saved up money throughout my life. My first job was at age 15 at the Wyckoff Bakery in Wyckoff, New Jersey, <laughs> earning minimum wage. But that served me well. And I did buy my first apartment in my early 20s, which was a wonderful grown-up thing to do, but it was risky. So that was a big start to my life is, is being a homeowner at such a young age. So if people have resolutions this year to maybe not quite buy their own apartment, but maybe they're this year they say, I want to save up X amount of money. Like, let's start to talk about resolutions. So when you're making a money resolution, I know that more specific is probably better, correct? Yes, absolutely. So if you want to save, pick a number. How much do you want to save? I want to save $10,000 to have a really solid emergency fund. And I want to save it by set a target date. December 31st. Mm -hmm. So break it down. What do I need to save each month? Okay, how do I get there? What do I need to do? Maybe I only go out one night per weekend, and that's going to save $100 right there. So I've got $5,200 right there Mm -hmm. if I save $100 by not going out one weekend. But no, but that's $5,200 right there. You just tell your friends Friday nights, I'm exhausted from work. I'm not going out. But still go out on Saturday night. You're already halfway towards your goal. And think of other things that you can do. And that's, I mean, that's a great example and something you brought up sort of in passing earlier was these hidden money sucks. Like we we know in our head, oh, rent takes X amount of dollars out of my paycheck every month. Oh, the utility bills. But there are little things that we're doing. And I liked what you said about stop letting your friends spend your money. Let's talk about that a little bit. I love my friends. They happen to be a very considerate group. We do a lot of dinners at home. We do a lot of homemade things. But I know that that's not the case for anyone. That is not everyone. No, that's not always the case, especially when you're young and you do want to live your life to the fullest and do exciting things. And your friends may have different. Don't assume. Let me correct that. I was going to say your friends may have different amounts of money. Sometimes they are not financial grownups and they are not spending responsibly. So don't assume that because someone is spending so much more money than you, they have the money. Right. They may be irresponsible and they may need your help. But for example, last week I was speaking um, and somebody came up to me afterwards and she said, thank you for your talk. I really want to save in this case for a down payment for a home. And I don't know how to do it. And I asked her a few questions and I said, what did you do last weekend? She said, well, I spent $170 on Saturday night. It is $170. Can we just say really quickly about Saturday nights and just Saturdays in general? You could wake up in the morning and like it the if you're not paying attention, it can be really bad. And especially if you're not doing expensive things, but like you go to a diner and then you stop at CVS and then you're like, oh, I've been meaning to get that shirt. And 
And all of a sudden you get home from your walk from breakfast and you're like, oh, my God, it's two hundred dollars later. And I can't ever leave my apartment ever again. Apparently, Well, that's yes. And I don't know if that's worse in New York City for us or not. Yes. But that absolutely (laughs) happens. I mean, you could just look, you could be old fashioned and just not bring your money. Sometimes when I go out for walks, I just bring I go to Central Park, which is free to walk around Mm -hmm. the reservoir. And I just bring my iPhone. Now, that's getting a little bit dangerous now because you can buy things with your iPhone, of course. But even just go, instead of meeting your friends at the diner, one of my favorite meeting spots these days is to tell people, well, I'm going to be walking around the reservoir. Why don't you join me? And I've had tremendous business meetings then because you're also more focused. Right. Because you put away your phone, you're one-on-one with a person, and you're focused on your walk and discussing and relating to them, and that's free. Right. So that's a great thing to do with your friends. So yeah, don't bring your money as much as you can. But this young lady said, I spent $170 out because it was my friend's friend was in town. It wasn't even her friend. Mm. It wasn't her friend's celebration. It was nobody's birthday. I said, did you plan on spending $170? No. If someone had said, it's going to be $170, would you have gone? No. So there you have it. She wants, she has these goals. And she very much could have just said, I'm going to pass or I'll meet you guys later for a drink at the end of the night or gone at the beginning and said, I'm going to turn in now. It's Mm -hmm. okay. Absolutely. And when you think about would you have gone if you would have known? I think there's something about planning ahead and like sitting down to think. There's there's planning in January when you say this is my plan for my New Year's resolution, but it can't stop then. Like there has to be a lot more deliberation throughout the year, which is something I'm very bad at. Well, I think we all struggle with that. But what you can do is at the beginning of the year, set yourself up for success, whether that be setting up automated 401k contributions. If you're not already, you should do that. You should also set up to have it automatically increased by 1% every year. Most companies will let you do that. Mm -hmm. And that takes one minute. That's just clicking a couple buttons in your HR website on your company and going through, especially this you should do this May or after New Year's, but if you haven't, check on your company website what's free. Mm -hmm. There may be matching contributions for charity and you can make sure to get that match. My company has a $1,000 match. That's a tremendous amount of money that I can give to a charity. Mm-hmm. Make sure you get that money. If your company has a health club membership where they will either pay for it or subsidize it, make sure to take the time to do that. The other things you can do once a year and better yourself is go through your credit card bills and check your subscriptions because very often we subscribe to things. And I caught myself recently. There was something I subscribed for my child. I have a third grader and I was subscribing to a children's um, website mm-hmm. for five ninety nine a month and he oh. hadn't used it in six months. And he had outgrown it, but I had not stopped the subscription. So I stopped that. We all have these little hidden things that are going on. So those things you don't have to do all year. You can just write a list for the first week of the year and go through those things. Set up automatic payments for all of your bills. Anything you can automate, do it. Okay. So speaking of unsubscribing, I thought I came up with one that I wanted to run by you. I unsubscribed from all like retail emails, even though they have discounts, which I know is good. I felt like that temptation coming into my inbox every week where you're like, oh, it's 50% off this week, not realizing it's probably going to be 50% off next week and the week after. And I unsubscribed from like 15 different, you know, Amazons and Gap and all types of things like that. And I feel like that might be helpful too. I mean, there are little things that I would never have thought of that are kind of pushing me to waste my money. <laughs> I, no, I think that's perfect. And I'm working on that. They keep creeping back. I keep unsubscribing, 
but they do come back. Yeah, but I don't think they, I don't think it really makes. I think I they know. have your email in they a lot of different find places. You. But absolutely go through, unsubscribe, and you can sit in front of the TV, hanging out on New Year's Day, and just spend an hour unsubscribing. And easy. And then you're done. Speaking of, you said automate your payments, and we joked because I have your questions up on email on my phone right now and, and what we had talked about beforehand, and you have all your stuff printed out. <laughs> Are you a fan of paying your bills online or having printouts? I have moved just recently to really doing everything online. And okay. I set up, for example, even when someone wants a check, I now have my bank write the check. In other words, you could go online and oh. you can have you can direct them to send the check. So you don't physically write the check. Wait, and you don't really? have to put a stamp. Yes. Can you can all banks do that? I well, I will. I bank with Chase and Chase I bank does with that. Chase. So you can do that. And I, I used, could do that and for I my used, rent check every month? Probably, yes, you can do that with anything. And you set it up once where you put in the first time you have to put in very specifically exactly where it's going, the full address, and, and if there's an account, your account number for your rent, set it up perfectly the first time, and then everything will come up, and you can even set, set it up as a repeat payment. See, now I feel like people should go, one thing they should do in January is go sit down with their bank and be like, am I using my bank correctly? Because I set up my account with Chase and pretty much like left the building. I was like, okay, I have a debit card. I have a thing of checks. That's it. I would have never known that you can have your bank write checks yes. for you. We'll because go through I've been it. We'll very go through close. <laughs> I've been very close to being late on my rent. Yes. Because I'm like, oh, I have to bring oh. the check to her. Like, oh, I have Automate. to mail it. Automate. And by the way, the, oh, the, you may be able to pay directly. They may have an automation, your landlord. But even if they don't, anyone that gets a physical check, Chase or most banks, I assume, will write the check for you and send it. This that really just that was not something we talked about beforehand. So this is genuine shock. No, and, and this is something I've done in the last year. <laughs> I've started automating because then when you're paying these bills that for whatever reason you don't necessarily want to automate or they're not they're one offs, but they're frequent um, and they're not on a schedule. You can just go through and say, OK, I'm paying this vendor again whoever it is, I paid them three months ago, but there's their data is still in there with all of your account numbers. And it's so much easier. Oh, my goodness. It's great. I'm so excited about this. Um, I want to talk a little bit about student loans, because I imagine that's going to be a big 2017 resolution for some people is to get those pay those loans off, free themselves from that burden. Um, what are some things that they can do in January? To, again, I love the idea of you spend the first couple of weeks in January setting yourself up for success. And like you said before, the, the rest kind of does itself. So what can people do to kind of set themselves up for success when paying off these loans? One of the frustrations that I have when people ask me questions about student loans is many people don't understand what loans they have and what kind of loans they have because that informs how you can pay them off. Okay. Sometimes if you have a student loan that's a federal loan, you may have some options that you didn't have a few years ago. There are a lot of new programs where if you have certain kinds of jobs, teacher or some kind of public service job, you can get assistance. There are also new programs where you can have only a percentage of your income be the maximum payment. And that depends a lot on the kind of loan you have. So the first thing you need to do is look at the kind of loan that you have and then call the loan provider and ask them, what options do I have to pay this? And focus on that. Private loans can be a little bit tougher because that's the Wild West and those can mm -hmm. be higher interest rate loans. But you just have to focus on them and make them a priority. That said, do not only pay off your student loans. You must also be saving for retirement. So mm -hmm. it should never be 100% to your student loan. You must also at the same time be focusing on savings, first and foremost, having an emergency fund, and then focusing also on retirement. And if you work at a company that's going to give you a match, you have to hit that match. 
For your 401k. For your 401k. So for example, my first job at CNBC, I made $20,000. They had a 6% match. I put in the 6%. I still have that money. Mm -hmm. Very important. And even if you have to pay off your student loans. And knowing what it takes to be, which I learned recently, what it takes to be vested in your company. Yes. And I, I'm telling you, in the last two months, I'm like, where have I been that I just learned all these terms? But I said to someone, I hit two years at Real Simple, and they said, oh, you're vested. And I was like, I have, sure, sure, I'm vested. What what does that mean? And they're like, it means you get to keep all the match money. And I I had no idea. That's another thing. I should have read all those. There is a wealth of information on your HR website if you work for a big company. (laughs) So much information and a lot of good stuff that you can learn about that you have. Because a lot of I do talk about the value in in the corporate jobs, because Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of focus among young people to go and be an entrepreneur and start your own business. And I absolutely support that. But there is also a lot of value in learning from other people and being part of a corporate environment where you are given so much support, whether it's health insurance, Mm -hmm. so you don't have to worry about Obamacare or whatever it will be going Mm -hmm. forward, whether it's the benefits we talked about earlier, such as health club memberships, that kind of thing. Very often, if you work for a big company, you can get free admission to museums, free or discounted movie tickets, show Mm -hmm. tickets, so many benefits that if you just know about them, it's free money and Ab- free entertainment. Absolutely. And I, speaking of resources and support, I just want to remind everyone, the name of your book is How to Be a Financial Grown-Up. And I'm holding it in my hand. And the best part about the book, well, there are a lot of good parts. Thank you. In, in the sense that it has wonderful information. And you talked, like you said, to a lot of really good experts. But it's not a huge, intimidating book. On purpose. On purpose. As you said before, you've worked in TV, so you kind of wrote it in sound bites. Yes. And... I think one of the problems with millennials and money is that there's so much, like you said, we have everything at our fingertips, but there's almost too much in that you don't know who to trust. You don't know where to look. So obviously this book is a great resource, How to Be a Financial Grown-Up. What are some other financial resources you love for people of my generation who are trying to figure out their financial lives? (laughs) Well, I I, first of all, on my website, I have a bookshelf. So those are some of my favorite books. And your website is? BobbyRebell.com. Okay, that's R-E-B-E-L-L. Yes, like Rebel with two L's, and it rhymes with Zabel. There we go. Rebel, Zabel. Um, So I have some books there, and I think that's really important. In terms of books, I love Helene Owens, The Index Card. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. She has a theory that if everything you need to know is just on an index card, and that's a really good basic book. And I love it. I also love Tony Robbins' book, Money Master of the Game. That's a little bit more advanced because it's investing, but I think that's a tremendous resource as well. In addition, and I should say, by the way, on my website as well, check out the resources page because every resource that I talk to, like NerdWallet, mm-hmm. um, Wealthfront, Betterment, they're all on there okay. with links. So that's the shortcut to get the second step. So I have the bookshelf page for more books and I have the resources page. NerdWallet, I quote very frequently. I think they're a wonderful website for lots of information. I have okay. to plug my own Reuters Money website. Absolutely. Run by the fabulous Lauren Young is tremendous. And there's a lot of wonderful information there, including my columns on uh, <laughs> personal finance issues for millennials. So those are some great places to start. And exactly, if you just have the, uh, the books on your bookshelf and three websites bookmarked on your your browser, it makes it so much less overwhelming than when I Google how to do something and it gives me 20 million pages of results. And you should always be careful. One thing that's that's difficult, and this is sort of a tangent to the whole fake news thing, is you should always know how somebody's being paid. So always be aware. First of all, when I wrote this book, nobody paid me and I paid no one. 
in this book. So mm-hmm. everything on my website is from me, genuine. Take mm-hmm. it as a recommendation. I'm not perfect. Maybe nothing on the something on the site might not be perfect, but it is genuine. Nobody mm-hmm. paid to be on there. You should always be aware when you are looking at websites how it's funded. Mm-hmm. Is it funded by advertising? Perfectly fine. Is it funded by affiliate marketing? Perfectly fine as long as it's disclosed. That means that if you click on the link, some the person whose website it is may get a fee. That's okay as long as you know that that's what's going on. So always be aware who is being paid, you know, what's going on in terms of the economics of the information that you're getting. And that goes when you're buying a financial product as well. Mm-hmm. How are they being paid? Are you paying a fee that you don't know about? Are you paying an hourly fee? What's going on? Because that could impact what they advise you to buy. Absolutely. And on that note, what is your, that? I mean, you've given so much great advice, but what is like your one go-to piece of financial advice that people can take with them into 2017? Take stock of what you have and what your goals are. Know where you are financially. Many people don't even know what their exact salary is because they might get a raise of one or 2% and they kind of lose track. So know exactly what money you have in the bank, what your debts are, what your salary is, what you're spending, and where you want to be. And if you just look at those numbers, you can come up with a game plan. So I challenge all listeners of Adulthood Made Easy, whether you're making a major finance resolution or not, to do exactly what Bobby just said. Take stock of all the numbers in your life. It should take you like an hour or two. If that. If that. And let me know if this was helpful and what else you'd like to learn about money. Thank you so much, Bobby, for joining me today. And I feel much more equipped to handle my money resolutions in 2017. I'm sure my parents will be thrilled that I got to talk to you. (laughs) Thanks for having me, Sam. And I'd like to remind everyone, How to Be a Financial Grown-Up is available now wherever books are sold. It also makes a great graduation present. Allie, I'm thinking of you. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Adulthood Made Easy. If you have questions or topics you'd like me to cover in the future, just tweet them to me at Samzabel, and I'll add them to my list. I'd like to thank our producer, Jordan Bell. And if you're enjoying the show, don't forget to subscribe and review in iTunes. I'm Sam Zabel, and I'll see you next time.